Okay, well, um, by my watch, it's 31 minutes past. Shall we begin? Uh, let's, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word once again. Uh, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your care of us. Uh, and we thank you that you thought to give us your word written down so that we could carry it with us, so that we could see uh, what you have to say about how to live this life that you've asked us to live and about how to point others uh, towards you as well, that we don't have to guess, uh, but we can read it here in your word. And so we're so grateful. We're grateful for, for the fellowship, the opportunity to meet together this morning and then in prayer this evening uh, as a church. And we pray that those both these times would, would be really blessed and that you would be glorified through your people meeting together. I pray this in your name. Amen. So we uh, continue on in the travels of Paul and we've come to chapter 15. Uh, and clarity is something I've been thinking about. And clarity is something we always really associate positively with, isn't it? Um, I'm just going to share my screen with you. Uh, so I hope that doesn't mess anyone up. Um, but uh, I just wanted to share a couple of pictures as we go. Um, so uh, when you see pictures, people snorkeling um, or, you know, it. something or scuba diving. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so when you see pictures of people snorkeling or scuba diving in some Caribbean location with crystal clear water, it looks amazing. Uh, as you can see, kind of all the features, oops, sorry, all the features of, um, of the sea, uh, things that are beautiful to observe. We also enjoy a clear night sky, uh, don't we? When we can gaze up on the stars unobstructed, uh, it brings awe and a profound sense of wonder at God's creation, the vastness of space. Incidentally, my father's promised to take me to Arizona one day and see this. However, that has not happened yet. Um, in Hong Kong, uh, we found um, quite an interesting thing that people would rejoice at a clear day on the right from the smog. Um, so when uh, we had a day where the smog didn't come down from China and descend upon the city in a cloud, as you see on the left, um, there was you would see it on social media people would be posting their joy at this clear day that we've had and and as you can see from the picture is taken from uh, Hong Kong Island looking out over the mainland and the, the mountains you can see in the back are on the way towards mainland China which you can't see uh, with with smog uh, so what is it we love about clarity so much uh, this is where I spent a few years uh, in the Cook Islands in Rarotonga and some images taken mum dad I don't know if you know which beach that is um, I certainly don't um, but this is what I kind of this was my first experience of the sea crystal clear beautiful water um, and I found as I got older that I became quite averse to murky water uh, and my dad, I think, feels the same way. When, you, when you've had this and you've seen the clarity and, and how wonderful it is, um, you get England, uh, which this is Pole Zeth, where Rachel and I like to go and surf. Um, and uh, it, you, you kind of get a bit of a different, different feel. You can't see underneath you. And particularly when you're swimming on the surface, you start, your mind starts thinking, I wonder what is beneath me. Um, one night, 
uh, when in Rarotonga, my father had an interesting experience. Uh, he was snorkeling. He was night, night, night snorkeling or night, night fishing with my brother, who was adamant he wanted to do this. And he's swimming along in the dark water. Uh, and something caused him to look up and shine his torch in front of him. And this is what he saw, a deadly lionfish. Um, and uh, I imagine that was kind of actually what he saw, like right in front of him. I remember it like it was yesterday, Ben. <laughs> I bet you do. And probably the palpitations that came along with it. Um, so because of the clarity of the water and it aided by the torch in his hand, he was able to see the danger and swim to safety. Had the water been murky, even with his torch, he would probably have swum straight into the lionfish, which would have meant certain death. Clarity is so important. I'm just going to stop sharing now, which will help us. And we see the importance of clarity in Acts chapter 15. Here's a situation where the waters have been muddied, where confusion is happening, which always happens in the absence of clarity. And that confusion led to a distortion of the gospel. Acts 15 shows us the first church council uh, through history. As, as you probably know, there have been many, many church councils and synods. Um, but really, there were seven kind of main true councils, uh, which were considered to be kind of ecumenical in that the, the, the church coming together um, uh, across the Orthodox Church that was. So there was a council of Nicaea in 325, Constantinople in 381, Ephesus in 431, Chalcedon in 451. There was a second one in Constantinople in 553, and then a third one in 680. And then lastly, there was a second council in Nicaea in 787. And all of these councils were called to bring clarity on heresies and perspectives that, ra that ranged from the deity of Christ at Nicaea in 325 to fight the heresy of Arianism, so the, the, who Christ was, to the shocking council of 787, which condoned the Catholic practice of venerating icons, worshipping icons, or using icons in worship. So these councils were supposed to bring clarity to the church. The question is, did the first council do this? Did the first council bring clarity? So let's look at what happened here. And in verses one to five, we see clarity attacked clarity attacked. Paul and Barnabas are back in Syrian Antioch at the end of verse 28 of the previous chapter. We're told they spent a long time there and some think it was about a year. At some point during this time we see the introduction of the Judaizers. These people who would be a thorn in Paul's side for the rest of his ministry. It seemed that everywhere he went they were there spreading this idea that in order to be truly saved a Gentile had to embrace the Mosaic law and be circumcised. Paul and Barnabas hotly refuted this error, and it became such an issue, the waters had become so muddied that something had to be done. So Paul and Barnabas were called to Jerusalem. But even there, if you look in, in verse five, it says here, so they're in Jerusalem and it says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. So even in Jerusalem, even in Jerusalem, uh, these men had tracked it down and were continuing to bring this lack of clarity, this muddying of the waters. These men clearly ardently believed what they were teaching, but they were in grave error. So thankfully, this is one of those times where the voice of the church rang clear and true. So, and when we look at verses 6 to 21, we see clarity achieved. Uh, so in verses 6 to 11, Peter gives his defence. 
And he states with complete clarity that this teaching is only seeking to burden the people with a yoke that neither they nor their forefathers were able to bear. This blind adherence to ritual and pharisaical law was done away with in the person of Christ. And Peter cuts straight to the issue in verse 11. If you read verse 11 of chapter 15, but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are the Gentiles. So Peter articulates clearly that both Jews and Gentiles are saved through the grace of Jesus. There's no other added criteria. And then Peter's defense is backed up by James's decree. In verses 12 to 21, James reinforces what Peter has said. He won't change the gospel, as we talked about uh, yesterday with Paul. Uh, but James adds a further level of clarity. And in verses 19 and 20, uh, he, he adds a few extra aspects. Now, he's not adding these, as, uh, as you know, as, as conditions for salvation, but as guidelines to help the Gentile believers, not to cause the Jewish believers to violate their consciences. So with all of this that was going on, <clears throat> these Gentile believers had come to faith and they had free. They felt they had more freedoms uh, because they didn't have a lot of the hang ups that, that the Jewish converts did from their past. So James says to them, in order to, to respect your brethren, your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, follow these guidelines because it will help them not to um, contravene their consciences. So this united clarified approach shows the importance of doctrinal clarity within the church if we are vague on what we believe it causes confusion error and allows for those who have Arab aberrant views to go unchallenged and lead people astray paul barnabas james and peter believed in doctrinal clarity and making sure that this was not only achieved but also articulated to the church so we've seen um clarity attacked clarity achieved and in verses 22 to 35 we see clarity articulated. You see, the early church didn't believe in just having a holy huddle of the bigwigs and getting their theology straight and then keeping it to themselves. They wanted the church to be united in this clarity. So they sent a letter clearly articulating the church, not just giving guidelines, but clear instruction as to what is the truth and what was expected. We don't have time to focus on, on the whole letter, but let's just look at verse 31, which shows its results. So the result of clearly articulated truth. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And then we're told Judas and Silas also went and it says, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. So the result of this clearly articulated doctrine was the encouragement and strengthening of the church. And yes, the factions that opposed this view would have been upset and potentially left the church or did what sometimes happens. Maybe they stuck around and were malcontents and, and kind of tried to subvert the teaching. But what happened? The congregation, the believers were encouraged. So clarity, when achieved, brings such joy. It's interesting, uh, kind of from a more mundane perspective, I've seen the joy that clarity brings when I worked with children who were at risk and, uh, and, and some young offenders in, in Oxford. Um, I saw the benefit of clarity with them, even though they pretty much did what they wanted when they wanted. They gravitated to those of us who were clear in what we believed and consistent in how we acted. They knew where they stood. And we see that even with the COVID guidelines, don't we? What people say is the most frustrating thing is the lack of clarity. It's a part of what God has placed in the hearts of all people. We desire clarity. 
And if we desire clarity in our normal personal lives, how much more important is it that we're clear on the word of God, which is our guide for this life? So lastly, uh, the last thing we see in chapter 15 um, is this sad incident where Paul and Barnabas split company over the issue of whether John Mark should join them or not. Mark had deserted them back in 1313. Well, Paul felt Mark had deserted them um, in 1313 and he didn't want him to come back. And Barnabas did. So the men separated from one another. Paul took Silas with him. Um, but regardless of this breaking companionship, we see the desire of both men to make sure that clarity was spread amongst the other churches. So here we see clarity continue. Why do we think this immediately precedes the issue dealt with at the Jerusalem Council? I'm sure that it was on both men's minds that if this soteriological muddy, muddying of the waters was happening in Antioch, then surely it was happening elsewhere. Paul says in verse 36, um, let us return and visit the brethren in every city which we proclaim the ways of the Lord and see how they are. Paul's pastoral concern um, is a trademark and hallmark of his of his ministry. He wants to go and check on their pro progress. And maybe he even took the letter from the Jerusalem Council with him to show the other churches so that they too might have clarity on this issue if they were dealing with it. And we're told that he was successful in verse 41. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul went about strengthening the churches. Clarity, when articulated and continued, brings strength to the church. So this brings us a challenge to us, doesn't it? Uh, what are we not clear on? Are there things that we are still needing to figure out for ourselves uh, and get our heads clear on? Fortunately for us, we have the explicit, complete word of God on all pertinent doctrinal issues. Um, and then the wisdom that's contained within the Bible that can guide us through every practical or moral or ethical issue in life. So what are we not clear on? We have access to commentaries, the word itself, lexicons, Bible dictionaries, sermons from hundreds of thousands of pastors, the worldwide, various organ Christian organizations. Clarity is something achievable in our faith. It's, uh, it's just something that takes a lot of hard work to find. But clarity is worth the effort. Let's pray. Father, regardless of where we are in our relationship with you, there will be things that we can always have greater clarity on. And we know some things will be mysteries uh, that we will, never, we will never really understand. But Lord, you've given us so much and so so many opportunities to to understand and and to know more of you uh, we just pray that you would help us uh, individually whatever it is that we seek clarity on uh, that you would help us in that pursuit but also we ask for clarity for the church too this is a time of relative morality and of relative truth where everybody does what is right in their own eyes and lord we know that your word is not a word of relative truth it is a word of absolute truth and I just pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in your church worldwide uh, to bring clarity on the gospel, uh, on the clear reality of how we are saved and, and on all the other things as well that we need to get our heads around uh, as your body on this earth. Lord, we pray all of this, not just for our own growth, but for your glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen.